When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Geekscape is... The episode hasn't even started yet and I've already got to issue a retraction. Later in the episode, I insist to Ian that actor Benedict Wong is in The Eternals playing Wong. who He's in Shang-Chi. We do talk about him a bit. He's not in The Eternals. I had uh, confused him for actor Ma Dong Siok, who is in The Eternals. He's also in Train to Busan. And I saw him briefly in The Eternals trailer and was like, oh, that's Wong. Oops, that's a big one. (laughs) So when you get to that part of the episode, be like, oh, Jonathan, putting your foot in your mouth one more time like you have many times in the last 15 years. I want to say thanks to Garrett Briones. The amazing listener who uh, was like, Jonathan, yeah, Wong's not in Eternals, dude. That's the dude from Train to Busan. So, um, yeah, egg on my face and uh, enjoy the episode. And when you get to that part, you can laugh and be like, well, point Ian, Jonathan messed up again. Enjoy the episode. Hello, Geekscapists. Welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. And this one is a special. We're going to be talking all about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, the new MCU release um, starring Simu Liu and a whole cast of amazing actors um, who, I mean, what can you say? Michelle Yeoh and Tony Leung, like, they're legends and they're in this movie. So uh, we're going to be talking a lot about how this movie fits in with the MCU. We're going to be breaking it all down. There will be tons of spoilers. So if you've not seen the new Shang-Chi movie, please like wait a little bit and then come back to this episode in the feed and listen to it because we've got Ian Kerner coming up and you know he likes to get into like the nitty gritty on where these characters came from in the comics, what this means for the rest of the MCU, how it all ties together, and of course what the movie, uh, how the movie is in itself. And so there's going to be lots and lots of spoilers, but this is the Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings Comic-Con, uh, Comic-Con, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's on my brain. <laughs> Let's go to Comic-Con. Uh, Geekscape special. Uh, I did get an email about Comic-Con and whether or not I wanted to uh, um, exhibit at the mini Comic-Con going on here in, in uh, late November, early December. 
I think it's late November. Uh, I don't know yet. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do for that. Uh, but we'll definitely be at LA Comic Con here in LA. They're, they're partners of ours, so we love them. So that'll be going down. Um, so anyway, we're going to be talking Shang-Chi right now. Uh, it's not your typical Geekscape. If you want a typical Geekscape, go back in the feed. There's lots of cool stuff going on. We had a great episode last week. And then on this past Friday, my friend uh, Nick Scanner and I sat down and talked about his brand new movie that premieres this week on Vice TV. Um, it's a, you know what? Like it's the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and this is a, a, an okay way to, to, to kind of remember it. He has this movie called too soon comedy after 9-11 and it will, it will really take you back. And it, it's an interesting documentary. They interview comedians about um, when they like the whole atmosphere of doing comedy and levity after 9-11. So uh, that's in the feed. There's lots of cool stuff in the feed. That's what I'm telling you. I hope y'all are having a good Labor Day weekend. But uh, if you have not seen Shang-Chi yet, this is your last warning. Uh, we're going to get into the nitty gritty now. So um, cool. The comments are open. We're live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch. Y'all are a part of the show. So drop the questions for Ian if you're watching this, um, if you've seen the movie. And uh, obviously, while you're enjoying this, share the episode with your friends. We're available on all of the podcast apps. And uh, we're totally free, so there's a little bit of incentive. All right, Ian, get in here. Let's talk Shang-Chi, buddy. Um, how are you, man? You been all right? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Um, here, move your camera a little bit to give you a little bit more headroom. You're kind of like, yeah, just, just, uh, yeah. There you go. There you go. I like to see the top of your head. Yeah, it's all right. How's yeah, that? yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Um, okay, so Ian, this was definitely the movie to see with with Ian. And and uh, because of circumstances of moving back and forth, I did not see this movie with Ian. We saw it simultaneously. We saw it simultaneously in different theaters, but this is not... Damn, man. Uh, this is definitely a movie that I uh, many times turned to enthusiastically say something, and I had to deal with just saying it to Justin, who was like... He just kind of nods. Justin's been on the show before. Yeah. Uh, he's great, but you know what? There's a level of excitement going to see a, mo- a Marvel movie with Ian. I usually see them at least with Justin, if I, you know, not always with you, but with Justin. Yeah. So I mean, he just, uh huh. You know, just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, hey, what do you think nods. of this? Uh huh. He just nods. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. And then I, sometimes I look over at you during these movies, and there's just this shit eating grin on your face because these characters have been with you for 40 years and you've loved all of them. Yeah, um, and you're very more. familiar with them. You know what I mean? Like this is a character that you're, you're familiar with. Yeah. I, I want to say that, um, Sh- Shang, Chang Chi is one of the characters in Marvel. I'm, I would say I'm still very familiar, but one of my least familiar because whereas I've read most Marvel comics, I mean, literally most, um, but master of Kung Fu, I only read some of. When mm-hmm. you get to Shang-Chi appearances after that, probably all of. But yes. Because he... Whatever 125 issues or whatever it is of Master of Kung Fu, I didn't read that many of those. You know, I wasn't those, buying that in the 70s. Those are 70s going into the 80s before yeah, the... Yeah, before the Chris Claremont stuff really started taking off and yeah. X-Men was the book at Marvel. Um, this... I mean, I've, I've been telling people because they ask about Shang-Chi and... They're really, as we get into this, the, the, the movie that we watched, like th- there isn't really a definitive storyline for Shang-Chi that you right. can lean on. Like, um, and, and I think that Marvel's going to start hitting that, that with this phase with the Eternals, 
and, and they face that with the Guardians. That where right. Guardians of the Galaxy came out kind of as a surprise because there wasn't that definitive Guardians of the Galaxy run that you could turn well, to for well, iconic it, stories. It, in point of fact, the thing about the Guardians, not to get too much of a tangent, but they really sprung out of a big cosmic event, which, and then, you know, interestingly, they decided to start the whole cosmic stuff with Guardians. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that, so there was really no way to do that that way. What here's the thing that this movie did do well. And when I say I'm not as familiar, I mean, it doesn't mean I don't know Shang-Chi fairly well. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't know that I can do as many deep dives um, a, on it. But, you know, as you said, the movie does maintain a lot of the origin stuff. So in the comics, well, you know, there's a character in literature, Fu Manchu. Mm-hmm. And way back when, when they created Shang-Chi, Marvel, I believe they had a license because eventually they didn't, but they used Fu Manchu and said Fu Manchu was this notorious crime lord who was Shang-Chi's father. Um, then in later years, they couldn't use, reference Fu Manchu anymore. So they, you know, for a while, they just didn't say his name and they've come up with different names. So they've just moved around with that over the years. Um, I will say in the last couple of years, there have been a couple of Shang-Chi series that have been actually really good, and I highly recommend them. And they've built up their own mythology. Um, I personally think they added more to Shang-Chi's mythology than there ever was before. Yeah, I mean, post-Bendis putting him in, as part of the Avengers, yeah, exactly. it seemed like, like about 10, 15 years ago, when Bendis had the whole new Avengers storyline, and he was putting Wolverine and Spider-Man into the Avengers and making Avengers the premier and, and Marvel Cage. book. He put Luke Cage in there, right. and Shang Chi ended up on the on the team. It well, was like he'd like trained Spider Man in fight in hand to hand combat. Spider Fu, so, yeah, in Spider Fu, right? Yeah. And so I feel like post that Avengers appearance or presence for Shang Chi, there was an investment in getting him more uh, of the limelight on the on the page. And the only consistent storyline I could find was really just that continued theme of his father being a crime boss in Shang-Chi not having it. And his father's been dead in the comics for a very long time now. Mm-hmm. But yes, for the longest time it was that and his father wanted him to be, you know, with him and work with him and Shang-Chi was working against him. And sometimes he worked with MI6 and, you know, what have you, because it was, of course, you know, it was a European crime ring and all that. Um, so, you know, going into the deep dive, um, and for anyone that didn't watch the Marvel Legends on Shang-Chi and all that, and I mean, I'm sure there are some people that you know, maybe don't pay attention quite as much, and maybe that's part of the reason why people would listen to something, watch something like this. But, um, you know, back in the very first Iron Man movie, you had this reference to the Ten Rings, which there was a character, the Mandarin in the comics, who's a very classic old school Iron Man villain, who had these ten rings that he wore on his fingers. They were McLuhan rings. They came from a, an alien race. Um, and eventually you found out that predating all the Marvel superhero stuff is a character, Fing Fang Foom, who was actually a dragon, a big monster, because a lot of Marvel comics that, before Fantastic Four number one were just monster comics. Yeah. And that's so, where Groot and the Hulk and all these different characters originally. Well, well not the, the, Hulk, the, the first Hulk. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. The first Hulk. Yeah. But anyway, yes. But um, Groot came from there. Um, yeah. A, a lot of, you know, random characters like that were there and they incorporated them into the, the, the superhero comics. So Fing Fang Foom has been, he, and he basically presents as a dragon. So, um, which has been interesting, but he, he's actually, you know, a member of an alien race. And so these, ra- these rings are ancient and they do give, they, each ring give a different power. So heat ray, a 
freeze ray, a concussive ray, you know, all kinds of different things. So, and then on top of that, the Mandarin was descended from Genghis Khan. So his whole thing was to conquer, you know, the way his ancestor had. And he was an incredible martial artist and all those things. So in the first Iron Man movie, the Ten Rings, you know, you saw that as a reference. And I was like, okay, exciting. Are we going to get the Mandarin? So with Iron Man 3, and I mean, way back, you know, when we did the show on Iron Man 3, I mean, I said very definitively that, you know, most comic fans were actually really offended by Iron Man 3. It was sort of a fuck you. They teased the Mandarin, and then to say the Mandarin was this made-up thing was really a kick in the balls. You know, it was like, oh, yeah, it's just a silly thing we made up. So when they did the Marvel one-shot, All Hail the King, which literally just last week they finally put up on Disney+, Plus, um, that was on um, the Blu-ray of, uh, was it The Dark World? I thought it was on the Iron Man 3 Blu-ray, but... You no, know, it was, you're saying, okay. I'm pretty sure it was not on, on the Iron Man then 3 it, one. I, then it was it, probably on Dark World as being like yeah. the next release. Yeah, it was, it was on a later release. It should have been on Iron Man 3. And basically, the point of All Hail the King is to say, okay, yeah, we said he wasn't real. Actually, he is real. And they set up this great thing. And, and we've waited now many years for the real. The, real. The, the Mandarin is real. Travis Slattery, Ben Kingsley from Iron Man 3, you know, who's the main character in All Hail the King is taken by him because he's meant to, to meet him. And and I got to say, I'm jumping right into this now. Um, I loved and was thrilled. I thought maybe we get a cameo. He was, you know, an integral part of this movie. And he yes. was great. Yes. And I am all for the dunking on, in like revisionism of Iron Man 3. Um, because I was one of those fans who was like, not so much that you disrespected the comics, but you just miss a really good narrative opportunity yeah. in not giving us a proper Mandarin. But here with Tony Leung, you give us the proper Mandarin. And obviously, you know, if you've seen uh, in the mood for love or any other Tony Leung performance, the guy just owns every scene that he's in and he does yeah, so in this movie. Um, and, and the whole and, backstory in this movie totally gives us the explanation we needed that he was around, he was around for a thousand years but he was basically retired because he had a family, you know, yep. so he was gone for a while. And when you have that scene in this film, and we're going to talk about, I, I'd like to talk about the pacing in this movie, because this is a movie I really, really enjoyed, but I definitely had parts where the momentum shifted for me. And I did not enjoy the second half of this film as much as I enjoyed the first half of this film. The first half of this movie really works for me. I mean, that the, 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 Bamboo fight is one of the greatest things I've seen in a Marvel movie. I think that is such a phenomenal scene. Um, There's so, I mean, all the fight scenes are just fantastic. Just some in, incredible. My, my, my wife, who, who's not really usually into the action stuff, you know, but because this was that balletic, you know, Chinese, you know, cinema oh, that, influenced up the bus. The bus was just fantastic. The opening scene where he is, you know, he meets his match and falls in love. I thought that was such an incredible uh scene i'm i was less into the warriors of zoo mountain type stuff at the end of the movie although that definitely has its place in martial arts cinema and it belongs here and i get it um i feel like by the time we got halfway through the movie there was a lot of exposition in those scenes in the in the mandarin's compound and and there were also a lot of flashbacks and when we ultimately got to the hidden town the hidden village on the other side of the the magic once we got to tello uh, the narrative was we wait for the bad guys to show up and we prepare. And I feel like that movie started kind of grinding to a halt. And you also have the villain, the, the monster on the other side of the wall, 
not being dweller as personally in the dweller in the darkness, not as personally connected to any of the characters. He's a kind of this like uh, abstract evil until he bursts free. And I feel like once the father son stuff is resolved in the movie and it's tragic, we do kind of just have a lot of CGI and it's feeling like, okay, let's wrap this up with a bow because this is just big and it's a lot of CGI and let's get back to what this movie was doing really well, which was the stunt work and the character stuff. And so that's where things started kind of going away for me. And I was like, okay, let's wrap this movie up. It does wrap up though. And, and, and I do, I, I'm not going to argue against um, your feelings there, but what I will say, and this movie so deeply embraced Chinese mythology and in particular, when you start getting into so that creature stuff was integral to Chinese mythology. This mm-hmm. movie did had you know eighteen percent Asian audience, but double from any other Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I mean, like the most was ever nine percent. All right, yeah. I mean, and and of course, you know, and people comparing Black Panther, embracing you know to you know to audiences that are you know to to minorities, and I mean. I think it's great that it did that, and that's just it. In every way, as I referenced already, you know, the the fight scenes are more of that. China, you know, you know. I mean, the, the most popular, you know, movie like this that you know is known to Westerners would be like Crouching Tiger, right? Like or just that, that big, style. Big Trouble in Little China has a lot of the fantasy zoo warrior elements too. Sure, sure, exactly. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, you know, just from that, which you could have had anywhere, but once you to have fully gone into a, a full on. Chinese mythology creatures, you know, oh my God. left yeah. and right every time you turn around. So yes, I agree with you. Suddenly it's this giant CGI extravaganza, but not something you've ever seen before. And for a Western movie to embrace and do that, I mean, they really, they did right by, by this character. You know, they did yeah. right by, by, by that section of the global audience, you and know, moment, and, and listen, moment, and, and as a Westerner, I love that they did that. And I enjoyed it, you know, so fully because it yeah. shouldn't be that. Momentum shift being what it is, because I felt the mo- I felt the movie slowed down when they got to those to, to the to the village. That being said, do I want to see this movie again? I really do. I yeah, do want to see this movie again. And Chris maybe, Graves maybe, is watching. Maybe we'll go, I would. And Chris says, I think the momentum shift was great. It allowed the Asian characters to move uh, just beyond action. And I I actually really do agree with that. There, yeah, valid you know, point. Uh, I agree with that, Chris. And um, some heart to the movie. And the movie had heart throughout, but really, it needed to slow down a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, it just wasn't. It was more than an actor film. Uh, Doctor Merkin over on YouTube says, "I loved the movie, and I haven't experienced that kind of reaction from the entire packed cinema in a long time." Um, yeah, it's a it's a fun movie. Um, I I still have. I still like work it over my head. I said, do we need it? Did we need that many flashbacks? Do we need that giant exposition sequence? Cause there's a giant exposition sequence that Tony Leon gives where they're testing the water and that's cool. Uh, they're, te- they're, they're putting the, the gems into the dragon's eyes and it, it's, there's a lot of stuff going on in that compound that's expositionary expositional. And then when they get to the village with the wood carving, there's a lot of exposition. And I'm like, I don't know how else to tell this and the dweller of the darkness I don't know how to establish the Dweller of the Darkness as a real threat earlier so that the audience is like, don't open that fucking gate. It's all going to go to hell if you open that gate. Please don't open the gate. A a part of me kind of wished that the father had merged with that character so that in taking the the Dweller of the Darkness down, he would have had to take his father down. Look, I think the only way to have done that, and I think it would seriously have 
stepped away from Shang-Chi as a character. But in my mind, if this had been a comic book story, you know, just where they wouldn't be worried about the pacing exactly the same way, I think you probably would have seen Talo and you would have seen his mother mm-hmm. and you would have gotten all the background and you would have seen her there, you know? Early. So, yeah, You would have seen them seal the yes. dragon. Probably seal the dragon, yeah. you know, dwell in the darkness. Right, right. You know, um, you would have seen, uh, you know, you would have seen like, you know, what that tradition is and what that's about. So that would have been a way to do it, you know, less expository, but it would have taken a lot more time. Sure. You know, in the sure. movie and that, and the, I'd argue would have slowed the movie down even more. You mm-hmm. know, and that, that's the point of the exposition is to just give you some information, right? That's exactly what exposition is instead of having to show it all. So, you know, I mean, I love the movie. I see your point that that would that, to me, that would be the answer for how you would have done differently. You know, would it have been a better movie? Not necessarily. Ian, did you want Fin Fang Foon to make it a payment? Uh, I did. I was, I was, uh, listen, <laughs> I, I kept hoping we'd get Fin Fang Foon. And here's the thing. So I love, love, love the movie. And I, I kind of, I, I, you, by asking that question, you're sort of pulling me a little bit into the, the after credit sequences, which we're of course going to talk about we because will. essentially, I, as I, I said already, I gave the background on, on the McClune rings and we walk out of this movie. We don't know what the rings are. We don't. And you know, that and is a okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay well, with it because okay. there will be more movies, and right. well, I'm well, excited well, to see those so, movies. <laughs> so, all right, so fine. Let's jump in into the at least one aspect of the mid credit well, scene. Well, did we? Well, before we get to the mid credit scenes, did we wrap up what we wanted to say about how no. awesome the 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 actual like Ben Kingsley cameo? Not really a cameo, but no, his no, not even a little bit. We didn't, about, like, we didn't even talk about Morris. Like more when Morris showed up, I was like, "Yeah, I think you ordered a stuffed animal, Morris, immediately." And when you told me you had ordered my, it, I asked for the link because I ordered my, myself. My Morris. steps on middle of the movie look at me like, "Oh my god, I have to have that!" Like literally, he came on the screen. And was like, "I don't know what that is, but I have to have it." Yeah, Ian and I both within uh, twenty minutes of each other ordered Morris's off of the Disney store. <laughs> yep. We're men in our forties ordering Morris's off of the Disney store, and you know what? You squeeze the foot, and the wings flap. I'm I'm totally hey, excited yeah. for this. The, 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 the one problem with, with me with my stepson is that I don't even listen. I don't even get to pretend it's mine. It's his. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's in the house. It's in the house, man. So, same thing happened. Uh, every girl who I've bought, they're his. You know. So uh, so, so I mean, well, I just want to say the with the Ben Kingsley stuff. I thought that was so refreshing to because i think that the treatment of the mandarin and yes tony leung says it he says yes they hired an actor and he was a buffoon and they made him act like a terrorist and they and i felt like that was the addressing of iron man 3 that we were going to get and when we see ben kingsley in that room locked up and the morris stuff and the fact that he is now part of the entourage and he's part of this adventure court jester it's literally like he can't go anywhere but he's actually weirdly happy because what was his life otherwise I was like, this is so brilliant. I was so blown away by the fact that they had retcon slash fixed something that to, that to a lot of fans was a missing part of, uh, of, of the, uh, of the, of, you know, the, the canon. And here we had a brilliant solution for it. And it, and I hope it pays dividends going forward. I hope we see more of Ben Kingsley's character and Talo and, and, and all of this. I loved it. I thought it was really, really smart. And you know what? Um, 
we even got some real like you know low level iron man and shang chi characters like razor fist showing up and i was like yeah. oh razor well, fist well, was well, treated well, pretty well razor fist is an original shang chi character right yeah he's he's around he's one of those bad guys for a long time uh, so he's got the, two swords in the comics for hands and no, i don't know not how originally he, right originally had one then and he then, lost and then he lost the other yeah so the guy and now he one. can't wipe his own ass right basically um, <laughs> like he's got swords for hands yeah and, and listen and they handled him great um so a, a lot of great call outs that they did um you know something that the mcu that kevin feige does such a great job of is even where they divert you know those easter eggs are there there's references to things or they just pull from the mythology like listen when it became very clear you know when this movie was being made okay they're going to make the quote-unquote Mandarin, his father, I said, you know what? That's a brilliant, you know, um, way of bringing some things together. Because as I was saying before, you know, it wasn't going to be Fu Manchu or whatever, Lao Tzu, whatever they were going to call him, you know? So great. Do that. The Mandarin is, you know, a Chinese character. Why not merge the two concepts? You know? And and I think it worked absolutely beautifully. Absolutely. Um, And it doesn't negate the terrorist organization that you saw in Iron Man one, not at all, at all, not at all. Um, so, so that's great. Um, I thought that the choice with the sister um, to make it a, a fight ring was interesting in the comics. He did have a sister like that who had the golden daggers. She was straight up a rival criminal organization to a father's, but that informs the second tag. Right. You know, um, and by the way, the scene that the fight scene, I mean, so many great Easter eggs in there to see like the extremist guy fighting a black widow, you okay, know? Wait. Okay. So extreme, I'm, this is where I wanted to be sitting next to Ian in the movies is because you're walking through that scene, uh, where they're seeing all the different fights and what were some of those Easter eggs that you, so, so like out? when you see someone like flaring up with like, like the red stuff, that's an indica- indicator of extremists from Iron Man three. Sure. So it's a superhuman, you know, because he has extremis in him. You know, there, there was there was someone, a, a female combatant that was a Black Widow. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was that. I mean, obviously the abomination. And can we just talk about how the abomination has evolved? And now he's pretty much straight out of the comics with the ears. Yeah, yeah. This looks like the abomination from the comics, and we have ourselves the uh, Dark Avengers Hulk now because he's very Hulk. Yeah, yeah. And the and- it. And, and and Wong put looked like he put him back in the raft. Okay, uh, okay. So when he opens up the spinny spinny gate, he's putting him back in the raft. So and you could tell it was the raft in the background. Right, what it looked like inside right. that. I wasn't paying that much attention to what was on the other side of the spinny spinny. I, my head was spinning. I was like, you know, after seeing the Eternals trailer, I'm like, Wong is in. Wong's the new Nick Fury. He's in yeah. everything. Okay, so so now 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 let's get into something. So. As I said, they didn't tell us what where the rings came from, but they said that it was a beacon. And yes. uh, so, and just from the Eternals trailer, we see that the Celestials are coming. So right. the question is, are they? In, in, and they, we've been told, well, they're a lot older than a thousand years, and we've been told in the Eternals trailer that they've been there for seven thousand years. Yes. So the question is, are the rings in some way? Related to the Celestials, and did are they did they send out the beacon and call them? I mean, my first gut, my gut reaction is, wow, we really get the answer to that that quickly. But you know what? 
I mean, basically the way they do these movies and I've read so many different, you know, interviews with every director, they always say the same thing. We work on the Marvel stuff and they're all, you know, in the same offices and they meet in the halls and you're working on this, I'm working on that. And they come up with this little connective tissue. And that's what they do. They make their own movie. They go like, oh, why don't you just, just throw this line in and that'll work for this. You know, mm-hmm. that's what they do. And I mean, so it, it does make a lot of sense that we might get that answer right then and there. Um, I'd certainly be surprised for if Shang-Chi shows up in that movie, but have you heard, is Wong showing up in Eternals? Yes, he's in the trailer. Oh, did I miss that? I, I missed Wong. Yeah, Ian, Wong is very much in the trailer. Okay. He's he's yeah, in so he's, he's in several shots. And in the most recent trailer, Wong is in multiple shots of the Eternals trailer. He's clearly not one of the Eternals. But when I watched that, end, that mid-credit scene and I saw Dr. Banner and Captain Marvel, and they were saying it's a beacon, I immediately thought about what you're hearing from that most recent Eternals trailer where, you know, you see the, the approach of a live celestial right. uh, on to Earth. And I was like, oh, it answered the call. And the call was woken by the blip or whatever it was. Well, that's I, the question, I, right? Yeah. And, and so, so you see these rings. And I'm like, okay, if they have celestial origin... Let's get it. It's cool. That makes sense. And I and I don't mind that we're going to get that answer in November. I thought it was something to do with Eternals because the only other thing that a fanboy like me was thinking was, I am always making everything relate to Fantastic Four. <laughs> it's probably not Fantastic Four. I'm thinking of Eternals. But yeah, watch that. Well, you that's just, just it because, because, know, what, because watch it could, that. You, you, you could have been Galactus, but it's, yeah. it's not Galactus yet. Yeah, go ahead and watch uh, watch that new Eternals trailer, and yeah, okay. uh, and and uh, Wong is very much in that well, trailer. And here's the thing: I, I mean, I love that because he's in the know, he's at the dinner scene. Remember the dinner scene that was in an earlier trailer at the end? It culminated yes. in the dinner scene. Yes, Wong Wong is at that table. Okay, um, I probably watched that trailer on my phone. <laughs> How dare you, sir? Well, so, uh, so anyway, filmmakers um, everywhere are gasping at you. Like we cannot believe you disrespect our art form like that. So anyway, um, not the trailer, man. But um, <laughs> what I love about that is, you know, and in particular, like, you know, you, you reference, you know, every single, you know, single, you know, individual character Marvel movie, or you know, the best example I, I think is, you know, is from the other universe is like Aquaman. And you go like, well, where the hell is Superman when all this is going on, mm-hmm. right? So I sure. love the idea that you know what we saw in the in Doctor Strange, you know, this idea that you know. It's more than just strange. They're all, you know, around to, you know, combat these incursions and things like, yeah, they should be showing up when something like that's going on. Right. Yeah. So I, I love that. That being said, Talo felt so removed and difficult well, to get well, to. Well, Talo's a you, universe, right? Right. It's that like they in going through the bamboo forest, the shifting maze, they were accessing a different dimension, a different universe. Right. So and here's the thing. So, so Doctor Strange can't just show up. Like Thor can't just no, show no, up and not, solve not, it. Not a Talo. Right. Exactly. Right. No. In this movie, the... I didn't have that issue. Um, real quick, uh, Chris Graves on Facebook says, "Would you guys like to see a What If with Shang Chi?" Depend depends on what the story is. Depends on what the story is. We, can, we when when What If culminates, Ian, we're going to be right here on this podcast talking about these individual eight or nine episodes or however many there are. What if we are? Because here's what the thing: we haven't gotten it yet, but. These are not one-offs, which no. is what you would normally expect. It, the, as a comic, what if has always been one-offs, sure. uh, one-offs, and th- that that's not. They are building to something that I feel I feel pretty confident is actually going to come back into what they're doing with everything else. To wit, you know, a version of the more recent Secret War. You that's know, what we've with, been talking about. 
yeah a little bit we've been saying that a little bit in uh the, the main geekscape show the weekly show and um and I've just been, I mean, the other thing that we've been saying is didn't what ifs like everybody always die at the end of the episode. So I did find the last episode, the most satisfying as a what if story compared to the comics where it was like at the end of it, it's like, oh yeah, Spider-Man ends up on the X-Men and because he does, everyone dies. Like that was always the story. And what if it was like, oh yeah, there's actually a fantastic five. And because there are, everyone dies. Uh, the end. So you were very much a, yeah, here's the thing you always wanted. Guess what? Things are much better the way they are. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Like, I know these characters have gone through hell, but be thankful they are because otherwise Galactus eats everybody and they die. Um, We've got this mid credit scene we've been talking about. Uh, Shout out to the Back to the Future. Um, What do you mean? Wong basically shows up and goes, "Marty, you got to come with me." Yeah, (laughs) that was like that. That was like y'all are back to futuring this mid credit scene heavy. You know what? Even so, it was just, it's so great that they're sitting there. And I mean, you know, normally, you know, the, the typical comic thing, movie, whatever, the super thing, you keep everything to yourself. They're like, next thing you know, this just happened. They're at a bar with their friend. Just casually tell them everything. You know, yeah. they don't have any reason to keep it to themselves. No secret. You know, it's like, hey, and then this happens, and, the, and they're like, it sounds so crazy. And the friends you know? don't believe them. Until Wong shows up. Right. With his, I, Wong is the modern Nick Fury. He's the connective tissue going forward I, I, right I, now. I, I thought it's hysterical. And I love just the statement. Like, great. You know, now it's it's a roller coaster. This is your life now. You know? Yeah. And by the way, what a shock you would expect in any other movie. The Katie character is just fine. She's a psychic. Whatever. Like, no, she's fully in it. And now she's she's shooting mystical arrows. And she's going to be, you know, she's going to keep on going, you know? And, and she's a not, character from the book? I, I don't think so. No. I didn't think so either. The no. Aquafina character, I yeah. don't think, I didn't think it was established in the book. I knew the sister was, I knew the father was. Um, I've never known Shang-Chi to have like the, you know, the, the psychic. I mean, listen, they, they've yeah. done a very different thing. Just him having, you know, the rings is, Shang-Chi's a martial artist. That's it. Yeah. He never comics. had you any know? supernatural yeah. tools or powers. He just knew how to kick some ass. Right. But, but I'm good with it. I think it's cool. I do too. And I like the fantastic element to it. My pacing issues be damned. It doesn't matter. The movie well, and, is good. People I had mean, fun. So that was the thing because I felt like Shang-Chi was immediately and intuitively doing more with the rings than his father ever did. And I was expecting or wondering if there wouldn't be a Taolo connection with the rings. So when mm. there wasn't, that sort of surprised me somewhat. Like it could uh, access Taolo easily or it was a gateway or the... Well, the yeah, just, just, and, and just that the fact that, you know because his mother came from there or at least was raised there. I mean, presumably we don't have a sense necessarily that they're not humans that are just there. Right. Sure. So, um, you know, there's definitely some questions that I would, I wish we'd get answered you know, more about Talo. Okay. Um, well, look in, in the comics, Talo makes one appearance in like an, an issue of Thor. It's not related to Shang-Chi. And essentially Talo is where the Chinese mythology comes from. Because in the comics, in, in Marvel comics, every mythology pantheon exists. And yep. they're all essentially, without saying it, that extra dimensional alien thing, you know, they've been they may have been prayed to by this culture, that culture. You have Chinese mythology, you have Greek Roman mythology, you have Norse mythology, you have Egyptian mythology. If there's a mythology, they exist in Marvel comics. Mm-hmm. Right? And their so, characters. Like you yeah. have Native American myth- mythology. They, you have they, South American they mythology. They show up one way or another. Yeah. Absolutely. And those things always exist. 
and they're connected to each other. They're yeah. they're branches on the world tree, or they're this and that, and they're all now, together. Now, in early rumors on Eternals, it seemed like so the Eternals they did something interesting. I don't know why um, Kirby did this when he created them, but for whatever reason, they decided to say there were certain analogs between them and the Greek gods, and so that that sometimes things that Eternals did were attributed to Greek gods and, you know, and vice versa, you know, that kind of thing. And happened. the names, and, the, I mean, the, the names of the, Eternals right. Well, Zuras and Zeus and Athena and Athena. Um, but, um, and I think early on the rumor was that we were going to have Hercules as an eternal, but it's not Hercules, it's Gilgamesh. Right. So, right. but again, the whole, you know, confusing you know, or, you know, attributing acts. So, I wonder if they'll bother addressing that. It might, maybe there'll be a throwaway line because I mean, I, I just, at this point, I doubt they're going to bother just doing a whole other line of it. And here are the Greek gods, your whole right. other set of aliens or what have you. I could see um, Hercules appearing in a future Avengers or a future like, yeah. Thor or a future spinoff. But yes. Well, but, 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 but here's the thing is my understanding is we're getting Zeus in the next floor. Okay. Let's so, so we'll see. So we'll see you know, how they do that and how they deal with that. So, Ian, I want to talk to you a little bit more about future Shang-Chi storylines. But first, that second, uh, the end credit sequence, um, Book of Boba Fett? <sighs> so, <laughs> didn't it remind, didn't yeah. it remind you of the Book well, of Boba Fett? Well, yes tag? and no. So, so here, here's what's interesting. Because the movie ends, this is the Ten Rings Will Return. Right. And, of course, the question is, the Ten Rings, the Shang-Chi has, or the Ten Rings as an organization? Well, it means both, right? Yeah. Well, so the Ten Rings organization is clearly what they're talking about there. And it, I just, I, I joked the book of Boba Fett because it reminded me so much right. of the end, the, the tag on Mandalorian of Boba Fett sitting right. down and being like, oh, here's a pullout. We're going to kick some ass. Right. Book of Boba Fett. So the question is, is that set up for this, a second Shang-Chi movie? Or is they just saying, we're going to see this organization appear in other things? I mean, look. Like, to me, it makes total sense, you know, the Captain America movie we're getting, they could show up there. You know what I mean? Like, uh, that was my first thought, was that Sam Wilson would, you know, right. in the same way that we saw a lot of that in Falcon Winter Soldier, we're going to end up seeing the Ten Rings sure. as a I criminal mean, dude, organization. We, we now we have Madripoor. You don't they, think they, the they Ten could, Rings has a presence in yeah, Madripoor? They could show up in Hawkeye. I mean, there's, sure. you know, there's so many places that they could possibly show up. You yeah. know? So, I mean... You know, like Moon Knight. I mean, there's a million places they can show up. I like the idea so, of Moon Knight. Yeah. You know, just saying that, like, they're, they literally they can show up in anywhere and in anything. You know, they, they, they basically, they exist. They're a terrorist organization. But we don't know how she's going to use them or they're assassins or they're whatever she wants them to be. So, Ian, looking forward, one thing that I did read a lot of over the weekend was people dunking on Danny Rand and Iron Fist and saying, well, now we don't need that trash character anymore. And I just kept thinking, not a trash character. And the I think well, the big problem with people had with Iron Fist was he was introduced first. And Iron Fist is still a pretty legitimate Marvel character, and he still has a place with... Shang-Chi uh, in the uh, universe. I'll tell you, I remember watching that first season of Iron Fist and and, and the second season and the entire time thinking like, I, I expected to get the, the Shang-Chi intro there, right? There mm-hmm. were rumors that would happen. Um, I don't have any issue with it first or second or whatever. Um, the sh- shame of it is that 
you know, talk about the most improved show ever from season one to season two of that show. And season three, I thought was setting up, you know, what I really want to see is you know, the seven deadly kingdoms. I mean, yes. the seven headlink cities, excuse me, you know, yeah, and, and, and that, that, that whole tournament. Yeah. So, and you know, I mean, look, you can argue at this point that seeing like a, a tallow, like, does it just seem more of the same to do more other dimensional cities and all that? But I mean, mm. I think it's very different. I thought that the introduction of Tello that has a ton of fantastical elements. I mean, there are right. little like lions and dragons running around. It's very different than what we've seen of totally. Kunlun. I think if anything, the presence of like Tello now is like now you could absolutely do the tournament. But, of yeah, the seven look, kingdoms. The, the frustrating one of the kingdoms. Yeah, the frustrating thing is we just have no idea how they're going to deal with the Netflix characters. Right. Um, we believe Charlie Cox is showing up in Spider-Man No Way Home. We'll know soon. It's, it's three months away. Um, seemingly, maybe he's just Peter's lawyer, but good enough. You know, enough. if it's Matt, if blind Matt Murdock in it, it's Daredevil. Right. Um, so, so that's a start. You know, whether or not they reference. I mean, here the bottom line is this. They can never say a word about what happened on the show. It doesn't matter. You could pretty much assume that the show happened and great. And what's now happening is after that, you know, um, and listen, multiverse, 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 if they want. And that's just right. it. They don't have to go against it. You know, it, it, it's tricky. I mean, the dark hold was a tricky thing, right? Because straight up doing the dark hold and WandaVision after they've done the dark hold and agents of shield is definitely like, a, okay, is agents of shield out or not? You know, does it no longer count or not? But that was one thing looking at the what if episode from a few weeks ago, you were definitely putting Coulson and shield in the events of, of Thor back into the limelight of the MCU. Well, Coulson was definitely around. I mean, Coulson yeah. dying in Avengers. There's no question. The question is, you know, whether or not him then being brought back to life through Tahiti and all of that, you know, agents of shield happened. It did in my heart. It did. I, I love that show. Yep. You know, um, and it did great. And listen, and the crossover stuff they did on that show, you know, I mean, it only fell apart at the end because they, you know, the different sides of Marvel at that time didn't talk. So they weren't able to see what Endgame was going to be. So they just said, all right, screw it. Because they were fully crossing over and lining up, you know, right up through to Infinity War, you know? Mm-hmm. And then that last season, they just didn't know what to do with it. Right. The time so, season, which is still, yeah, it, it's still, it's still left the door wide open sure. that this stuff is still out there. Sure, but, um, but they, they avoided dealing with, you know, what happened with the blip. This whole, I mean, if anything, I saw that the Taolo stuff was yet another one of those seven kingdoms. Kunlun is still there. It's a, sure. it's, it's different. Kunlun is pretty different. Um, well, bottom line is it doesn't have to be one of them. It's just some, yeah. something different. And you now know? here we and, go. And, you know, see, here, here's the tricky thing. We talk about the multiverse more from a what if standpoint, right? But does multiverse in that in those terms and extra dimensional are they are they the same thing or not, right? Like we're told in Loki that all the branches have been snipped. But that doesn't mean that Doctor Strange isn't dealing with other dimensional things, you know, like when he's dealing with Dormammu. It doesn't mean that Ant Man you know, and the Avengers aren't accessing the quantum verse. So 
that's an interesting question, right? That isn't really dealt with. It's just the time branch aspect of multiversal existence was being snipped. A temporal version, not a lateral version. Is that what you're saying? Sort of, but it's not necessarily about temporal because, you know, recognize that from the, from the viewpoint of beings like Kang and or Immortus or, you know, whatever you want to call them, right? Um, the time aspect doesn't really matter because like basically, like as he says, the second, you know, they're not snipping anymore, the new multiversal things are happening, but they're not happening in that moment, wherever they are, presumably at the end of time, they're happening at all points in time. Right. Because, and and that's why you can have things like a lizard Loki or things like that, because whatever branch led to beings that are basically a lizard Loki probably happened a million years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, you know, but my point is that, you know, from Doctor Strange alone, you clearly still have multiversal aspects, you know? So the Dweller in Darkness, I know like you felt like we didn't get much on that, but listen, we know from Doctor Strange that there are other dimensional entities and they have power. And in fact, in Doctor Strange, we see that some beings get their, get power from them, which is such a straight out, um, acknowledgement of the way Doctor Strange and the spells always worked. You know, the Crimson Bands of Sidorak is getting, it's borrowing power from Sidorak. From a demon. You know, yeah, exactly. You know, so, I mean, I love that. I'm still, look, I, everyone was hoping in WandaVision that we'd get Mephisto. Um, My feeling was Dormammu made more sense. I mean, you know, if you just look at the plot of the whole Doctor Strange movie, you know, with, uh, was it Cassilius, whatever his name yeah. is, right? You know, I mean, that's the whole point. He's getting power from Dormammu. It's such a, you know, Mestophilian, you know, uh, agreement, right? I, know, I say it that way, said Faustian, but you know. Yeah. But so I'm still wondering if we're not still building to Dormammu. You know, we know that, you know, the Scarlet Witch is studying the Dark Cult. Right. So that's supposed to be related to Dormammu. Right? So I'm still wondering that. And that's the thing. So anytime we think, hmm, maybe Mephisto, like here's the question, you know, and people are speculating. Could Doctor Strange really be that stupid as we're seeing him act in the new I Home trailer? I think he has a level of vanity that would make it. I, I think maybe. That, if maybe. we're going to talk about that, that No the, Way Home trailer, I do that, think that's that, Doctor Strange. That, that's the question. That's the, It's a callback to Doctor Strange at the beginning of the Doctor Strange movie, right? Yeah, Vanity, but Nico, maybe, maybe. He's got a soft spot for Peter. Everybody's got a soft spot for Peter. Sure. Um, and I do think that that level of vanity can still be accessed. Yeah. And you've seen it in the comics still. Like, you still see it in the comics, and yeah. Doctor Strange's been a character true. for over 40 years. I don't but, think the vanity's ever I, left them. As you know, I don't see them jumping to Mephisto anytime soon. I just uh, don't see that happening. Agreed. I think that is Stephen Strange in Far From Home. No way home. I think that's Stephen Strange. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. All right. I've said that I think the, the next Shang-Chi movie that I want to see is a tournament movie. It's got Iron Fist in it. It's got multiple I love that. badasses in it. I'd love to see that movie. Um, what would you like to see going so, forward? So, so, you're, so your thinking is really that they utilize the Shang-Chi franchise to do some form of adaptation 
of the tournament, you know, that's from mm-hmm. the, the, the best Iron Fist run, that fraction run. And bring right? Iron Fist into it. The seven handling the sedges, yeah. I, I love that idea. I think that's a great idea. Because thank, there's thank not you, a, there isn't a definitive um, Shang-Chi story that you're definitely looking for. You know, um, currently in the comics, they've gone to this place, it's brand new in the mythology, that there that his father had these different houses, which basically based on different styles of fighting, which frankly sort of borrowed a bit from um, something that they did in, in Green Arrow in the comics, you know, a lot sooner. Um, but I liked it. And then the idea is that Shang-Chi is actually the head of the house. So now he's sort of unfortunately been pulled into this criminal organization and he wants to do good with it, but he's being positioned against some heroes, you know, in his efforts. I could see um, the sister having that storyline. Well, yeah. I mean, th- what they've done is they've introduced other siblings that he never knew about I remember. At, at each house. So, um, and, and I like it. I think that's really interesting, Cole. And, and by the way, I mean, there's no reason that, you know, what we're told in the movie is, oh, he fell in love and she was like this match that changed him and he had the kids. Doesn't mean he doesn't have other kids or right. the descendants or whatever else. Doesn't mean <laughs> yeah, he he's been around for a thousand, thousand years. years. Exactly. A thousand years. So, yeah. Shang-Chi definitely has some cousins hanging yeah. around. You, well, you, yeah, you would think. Nephews, nieces, great mm-hmm. grand nephews, nieces, great great. Could be related to Morris if things got weird. Well, yeah, who knows? <laughs> so, so, yeah, that, that's you know that, that's definitely possible. We'll see. Well, Ian, uh, any closing thoughts on this one? Uh, um, we, we I got mean, more I loved it. Stuff. See it. It's it's great. It's beautiful. It's fun. Um, honestly, one of the things I loved about that mid credit sequence is you usually feel, okay, because there was so much of a thing about, you know, in the beginning and them finding their way and, you know, they do the irresponsible thing, they go drinking and they're still the same people. Like, oh, yeah, yeah karaoke, let's go and have fun. And by the way, didn't that sort of feel, you know, in, in a different way, but it felt to me re- very reminiscent of the end credit sequence in, in Avengers. I'm like, let's go for shawarma, you know? Yeah. It's like real people, real lives, you know, doing real things, you know? Was um, very relatable. I thought, I thought it, was, it was great. On the uh, main show, I was telling the story of how I had to do that emergency trip up to San Francisco to do the directing in 36 yeah. hours. They put me up at the Fairmont. I'm watching Shang-Chi. They're parking cars at the Fairmont. Uh-huh. And, I, and I was like four days or I was like, I was I just stayed at that hotel. If I had had a car, Aquafina and Shang-Chi would have been joyriding in it. Um, but it was pretty cool to see. Um, that was pretty fresh in my head. And uh, it was fun to be able to elbow Heidi and be like, that's the hotel I stayed in. That you did not come on the trip for. Sorry about that. It's pretty yeah. posh. Pretty posh. Um, Ian, dude, what's the next thing we got to talk about? Like, because we've got, we got what if? Uh, is what it what if? How many Maybe episodes Eternals? of what if? Nine, yeah, I believe. Nine episodes. So that'll probably wrap up right before Eternals. We've got Eternals. Yeah. We've got No Way Home. Yeah. Is there a DC offering in the on the horizon? Like what? There. Oh, I don't dude. Think we have a DC offer a bit, but you're, you're leaving something out. I'm leaving out Dune, aren't I? No, well, you're leaving out Dune, but but you're you're leaving out you're leaving out the, the funny thing. Talk to me, buddy. I'm blanking Venom. hard. Let there be carnage. Yes, which thanks to the success of Shang Chi, just moved up two weeks to uh, the October first weekend. So you got Ian get tickets, as they say here on Geekscape. Ian get tickets. I mean, there the will first, be carnage. Li- listen, we, we did the first one. We you know we. We tore it apart. I expect this one. I hear it's it's worse, 
Wait, but, you hear this you know, new one is worse? Yeah, and I actually said to someone, how could it be worse? And the answer was, well, you have no. a less competent director. No, I like Andy Serkis. I love Andy Serkis, but we're, I don't know that he has experience doing it. That's just what I was told. No. I, I haven't seen it yet. We'll see. Andy, we'll see. I still remember when Andy Serkis came by the Geekscape booth at Comic-Con, and we, we had a nice chat. He had his kids okay. with him. Andy, I have nothing... And and I thought that you know his experience with mocap and this and that was going to be able to to give some pretty fun performances. Um, uh, yeah, no, no. I listen. I'm drawing the line right now. Uh, and if and if disappointment meets me, then so be it. Right. I want to believe that we will all be wrong. With there will be carnage. <laughs> You're I, be saying the line. I'm sorry about venom. <laughs> I want to be wrong. I well. I will. I will. Listen, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I want to believe that I will be pleasantly surprised by Venom 2, and it will be a fun time with... I'm convincing... Am I convincing myself? Am I sounding Listen, convincing? here's the thing. I have no doubt we'll have fun watching that movie. <laughs> Damn. I All think right. we'll have a great time. I mean, listen, no. th- didn't we have fun watching The Spirit? We did, but at the expense of time that we're going to want back on our deathbed, but yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> we laughed we cried oh man okay we asked we asked the producer for our money back we did we directly asked the producer for their money back and we continue to to this day 15 plus year, uh, 10 plus years later okay there will be venom october first weekend we're coming for you oh boy geekscapists Subscribe to this podcast on any podcatcher you have access to. Share it with your friends because if Ian and I are going to go in and watch Venom 2, we don't want to do it alone. We want you all to be alongside for that ride. Uh, so subscribe and share this with your friends. Geekscape's available on all major podcatchers, totally free. And, of course, we're here having regular episodes on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. Um, closing thoughts is Shang-Chi, totally worth it. A lot totally of fun. Great, great fun. And, and by the way, I also want to say, so happy to see it's doing so well. I mean, particularly you know. in this, you know, in, in the environment with COVID and everything. Um, but, you know, huge 90 million plus, you know, holiday weekend. Um, you know, once again, you know, people, I know people specifically betting against Marvel, you know. I mean, the same thing I, I back with, you know, Gardens of the Galaxy. I remember thinking... I know I'm going to see this movie and I'm excited for it, but are other people, but you know, I mean, they launch and it's, it's a good movie. It's a really good movie. All right. Geekscape us for Ian Kerner. I'm Jonathan London and uh, we'll see you next time. Geekscape forever. Peace. You're listening to the Geekscape network.